thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now, the first word of the Shema is hear or listen, which in Hebrew is pronounced Shema. That's where the prayer gets its name. Now, Shema is a really common word in the Hebrew Bible, and it's obvious why. Hearing is a very universal activity. It's usually connected with the ear, as in Proverbs chapter 20, ears that Shema and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Now, that seems basic enough, but if you look at the other ways that Hebrew authors can use the word Shema, they use it to mean more than just let sound waves enter your ear. In Hebrew, Shema can also mean pay attention to or focus on. So when Leah, who wasn't loved by her husband Jacob, she has a son and she names him Simon, or in Hebrew, Shimon, because she says, the Lord has Shamad, that I am unloved. So Shema means to hear and to pay attention to and even more. It can also mean responding to what you hear. This is why so many of the cries for help in the book of Psalms begin with a call that God listen. Psalm 27, verse 7. Shema my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful, answer me. So asking God to shema is at the same time asking God to act, to do something. It's similar to when God asks people to listen. Like when the people of Israel come to Mount Sinai, God says, If you shema me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Now there's a couple interesting things about this verse in Exodus. In Hebrew, the word shema is repeated twice in this sentence to give it emphasis. If you shema shema, meaning listen closely. But also notice that from God's point of view, listening is basically the same as keeping the covenant. So when God asks the people to Shema, what he means is that they listen and obey. And that's the last fascinating thing about Shema. In ancient Hebrew, there is no separate word for obey, meaning to carry out the wishes of someone who knows better than you or is in authority over you. So in the Bible, if you want to say, I will listen and do what you say, you use the single word Shema. In Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. This is why later in Israel's history, when the people were breaking their covenant promises to God, the Hebrew prophets would say things like, they have ears, but they're not listening. The Israelites, of course, could hear just fine, but they weren't actually listening or else they would act differently. And so in the end, listening in the Bible is about giving respect to the one speaking to you and doing what they say. Real listening takes effort and action. And that's the Hebrew word Shema. Do you have ears to hear? Do you have eyes to see? These are the classic words that we hear in the Bible about asking people about whether or not the things they are hearing or the things that they are seeing, the things that they are learning, if they are taking those and they are applying them to their life. Or as the famous uh, Wesley Snipes character from the 90s classic, White Men Can't Jump, Sidney Dean says, you see, that's the problem with you is you're listening to Jimmy, you're not hearing Jimmy. Of course, referring to Jimi Hendrix. And it's this idea that listening and hearing, you can hear something, but you can't be listening. You can listen to something, but not hear somebody. It's an active thing. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody where you realized about, I don't know, halfway through that 
they weren't actually listening. They weren't actually trying to pay attention to what you were saying. They were just waiting for a time where they can, they can start saying something of their own. It feels defeating, right? And it's this idea that when we listen to somebody, we're, we're, we're taking it in and we're applying it to our lives. Hopefully, you who are watching this have eyes to see and you have ears to hear. And that you will take what I am saying today, this lesson from God, and apply it to your life today. Or another way of classically saying, of, of another kind of application of this, <laughs> would be the classic saying, see something, say something. I remember after 9-11 happened and, and, and a lot of the, the, the newer security measures got put into the airports, that that would be something that they would say over the, air, the airport loudspeaker constantly. They say, if you see something suspicious, report it. See something, say something. And you see, that's not always the easiest thing to do because when we see something and then we say something, we have gone from the sidelines into the game. We are no longer inactive participants. We now have skin in the proverbial game. Saying, seeing something and saying something, hearing something and then applying it to our lives and doing something are two totally different things. You see, because the classic human default is to do nothing. You see, it's easy to just stand on the sidelines and watch the game. It's harder to put on a helmet and jump in, put on some shoulder pads, put on some cleats, and go join the game that you're watching. But this is what the God asks us to do in the Bible. This is the message of Jesus. He says, he says I, do you have ears to hear? Do you have eyes to see? The things I am telling you, these are not just good examples. These are not good suggestions. This is good ways to live your life. This is the way to live out the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Like I said, the human default is to do nothing. A couple weeks ago, I was at Costco eating a hot dog at the court, food court. And there's this family that kind of came in and they were kind of being loud and I kind of just like wasn't really paying attention to them. And you could tell the kids were just getting on the parents' nerves, which as a parent, I can relate. But there was a couple times where the parent, the mom, especially, she would yell at the kids and she would, she took them, she took one, at one point she took her son and she kind of forced him to sit down and said, sit down and eat. And I remember, you know, they were like 10 to 15 feet away from me and I just felt really uncomfortable. And then you could feel all the eyes kind of in the food court area looking that way. And I did nothing. You see, in reality, it's not illegal to be frustrated with your kids. It's not illegal to make them sit down. It's not even against the rules of Costco. <laughs> and you could tell that everybody in this situation, all the people who were on the outside, they were uncomfortable because this is the way that you're supposed to not behave in public. But the truth is, is that I didn't say anything. One, I didn't, once I, like I said, they, they weren't doing anything technically illegal. It was just making me feel uncomfortable. And two, I didn't want to put skin in the game. 
I didn't want to go from see something to say something because I didn't want to become an active participant. And oftentimes when we are living our lives and we see things and we, have, we, we hear things, we don't actually get involved because it is inconvenient. Because that's not the way that we want to live our lives. To go from the sidelines into the, in, onto the field of play means that we become an active participant and we have to make sacrifices and we have to expend our own energy. We have to do something that is inconvenient for us. We have to maybe miss an appointment. We have to maybe stop our car on our, on our way to doing something important. 